butt cheek. What's up? Would you rather suck your dad dick or eat your mom out? You would suck your dad's dick, right? Oh, that's not a weird answer. Shut the fuck up, fourth grade. Life or death? Come on. Hey, whatever I'm doing, I'm drugging one of them motherfuckers. I'm not gonna say who, but I'm gonna drug them motherfuckers. Until they sleep. You gonna rape your parents? Huh? That's like, that's rape. I'd rather rape one of my parents than to consciously. Yo, what the fuck? Welcome to episode 125 of Vague Zone. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we are beginning a new theme. The theme we chose in the last episode was Coming of Age. Mm -hmm. And we both agreed on the film Mid-90s by Jonah Hill. So, Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb for Mid-90s? Sure. Follows Stevie, a 13-year-old in 1990s-era Los Angeles who spends his summer navigating between his troubled home life and a group of new friends that he meets at a Motor Avenue skate shop. Thomas, uh, I think this was kind of one you suggested. Um, I hadn't seen it before. Yeah, I did, I did a Google as we were having the conversation, as we sometimes do when we don't have something off yeah. the top of our heads ready to go. And yeah, mid-90s popped up first, and then there's also a Blu-ray on my shelf, and so it was like a no-brainer. You hadn't seen it, so I was like, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it the first time, and I was like, yeah, let's go revisit it. So I guess it's, since it's your first time, okay. what did, oh, I guess you're going to ask me, but uh, what, did, what did you think of mid-90s? Um, interesting. Uh, it is interesting that it's coming from Jonah Hill as a writer-director. I feel like because it is so obviously like a personal story a nostalgic story for him that it makes me curious what he's going to do next because everyone only has one of those one of those in them it feels yeah. like uh but Definitely. um yeah i absolutely identified with it uh, i feel like i could probably relate to maybe like 70 percent of it um <laughs> yeah. uh no, <laughs> yeah the ending didn't happen to me <laughs> but uh yeah, it's just a it's a time capsule piece. I read a piece of trivia that like um, when they did a, a screening of it, an early screening of it, the projectionist said, "Oh, it's cool that he was talking to eight two four. It was like, oh, it's cool you guys are releasing a movie from the nineties. Like he thought it was like legitimately <laughs> from that time. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah, it's a, it's a time capsule piece. It's yeah. I feel like I wish I would have gotten more out of. Uh, the brother i think the relationship between stevie and his brother is kind of interesting yeah and, but we don't get enough of who his brother is what's going on with him it feels like there's absolute there's something deeper happening there um definitely yeah yeah and it's just it's very sort of i don't know like you don't really get too deep with a lot of these characters and i think that's part of what makes it feel more organic and real um i'm yeah, not yeah. really that fond of the ending uh, i think it could have been telegraphed a little better but um i don't know i think i'm, I'm mostly on board with it i, I think it's got an interesting <clears throat> there's interesting like there's there's been conversations around the homophobia in this movie um yes and it is like when you're growing up when growing up in the 90s uh <laughs> you know as a young boy like that was a fucking thing like this concern <laughs> about like not wanting to look gay uh yeah. and it yeah i i had read another piece of trivia where like a producer who, who is gay um that like i guess they had shot a scene where the boys are talking about like their casual homophobia and that mm. they were like you know maybe this is kind of fucked up <laughs> like yeah, uh yeah. And that the producer was like, why? He, he was like, would this scene have happened in real life when you were in the 90s? And he was like, oh, no, I just felt like I had to, you know, acknowledge it. And then he was like, gotcha. then, then cut it out. <laughs> like, yeah, get rid yeah. of it. Uh, yeah, it's a trip. I mean, I went, uh, I went to a private school in Oakland. And then when we moved to Martinez, went to a public school. And as a young black man, the things I heard through my years <laughs> in those formative years were it's just just garbage and yeah. just just all just like the worst filth. And it's just yeah. So I related a lot to a lot of the language that they use. So that uh -huh. probably didn't really stick out to me too much. But I was gonna say yeah. I was like I like this movie. I feel like I loved it a lot. One when, second. Oh. Yeah, I'm recording. Thank you. Sorry um, about that. Go ahead. 
That's all good. Uh, so when this was coming out, uh, it's like 2018, like as A24 was still like becoming like very fucking awesome in like the movie sphere. I remember wanting to see this in theaters, seeing the trailers and like seeing the A24 logo in the skateboards and being like, this is for me. Like this mm-hmm. is 100% down my lane. Uh, I was a huge Jonah Hill fan too. Like saw Super Bad in high school and I feel like I've seen like look through his filmography there's like 51 things on there on the wikipedia and i've seen like 27 of them i've seen like a lot of his work um even you people (laughs) the most recent one which is not good um but i think about yeah like just his infatuation with this culture which is inherently cool is is inherently dope this magical crossover that happened in the mid 90s between skateboard punk culture and black hip-hop culture coming together to make this incredible fusion of just like just dope shit so it's really hard to visit that aesthetic and not just be like well yeah everything is fucking cool big brother magazine and uh fucking like like when stevie walks into his brother's room it's just like this shrine of hip-hop and i like i dig it i absolutely dig it um it does feel a little on the nose in that kind of regard where i'm not gonna say like it's inauthentic but it just feels like he's flexing his 90s muscles really really hardly through the entire movie um which sort of takes away from it as sometimes but there's a lot of beautiful stuff in this movie that i do like but i'm i'm kind of with you i I like it i feel like i wish there was more to it but i don't know if you necessarily need more for something kind of loose like this it is more of like a cautionary tale about growing up I, i do like that angle of it of like this kid just asking questions and being naive and then just being around all these older kids are just like no that's wrong you're dumb like you're like you're just like completely shitting on each other because that's kind of how it was and kind of sort of how it is like with groups of guys sometimes where you kind of get shit on sometimes and that's just how (laughs) the groups communicate um so i think it is authentic in that way but yeah i feel like there's more that can be mined from this and i feel like maybe jonah hill isn't that person necessarily to do that deep dive but it's still a and nice, I, p- pretty movie to look at. Yeah, and I think it was intentional not to, because I think he wants to... I don't know. It's I think he wants to just, like, give you a glimpse of something, because... And maybe, maybe there is this... Maybe it was a strategic move of, like, him not... Maybe he doesn't have it in him as a writer to, like, flesh out these characters too much, so he makes this sort of stylistic decision to, uh, you know, avoid that, to try and, like, give it some... To give it some more authenticity, I guess. I don't know. Um, Make it feel a little more documentarian because it does feel, it is kind of riffing on kids. Like, kids was from the era. uh, And and, like, it's about skater kids on the street. Harmony Korean has a cameo in this movie, which is kind of surprising. Um, Yeah, it it owes heavily. Like, the, them going through like New York City listening to a tribe called Quest while they're like going through a skating. It's like that's the same DNA yeah. of them going through the streets of Los Angeles, bombing the hill while like Trent Reznor is doing his thing or they're putting the jit, I'm sorry, Wu Tang or you know, those needle drops to help just sell the point that yes, like we are deeply into this. And it is kind of like part of me does wonder how like kids already exist. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So do you what is the compulsion to kind of do a, a less good kids? Cause it's not as good um, yeah. because it doesn't have that real authenticity. Um, you know, you have a scene in kids with like a bunch of kids smoking pot. It's real. Uh, yeah. They didn't direct the kids to do that. And it's like in this, it's, you know, Stevie's smoking. Uh, he's drinking a 40. He's taking pills. It's like this kid would be vomiting all over the damn place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, would be, it would be an absolute wreck. Uh, Steve, Stevie had a very badass night. <laughs> he fucking drinking 40, smoking yeah, cigarettes. Yeah, his first sexual hooking, experience. Yeah, hooking up with... Yeah, yeah. That's that's a whole other conversation right yeah. there. Well, what, whole scene. what do you make of Stevie as a character? I think he's... I relate to him... Early on in the movie, I relate to him in a way where it's kind of embarrassing. I was very much that kid who was like quiet, sort of on the fringes of other bigger groups and kind of being like, like the scene where he walks into the skate shop and he's kind of just like idling by, at the clothes while they're all having like this conversation. Um, and he's kind of trying to like just giggling and kind of leaning in. Like I did that exact thing at a basketball court when I was like eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the exact same thing. I was just like just so afraid of the older kids playing basketball. I just, I just couldn't physically walk over there. And so I relate to him. He's sort of like a blank slate 
and he doesn't really he doesn't quite have an arc he mostly just goes into the deep end and realizes that a lot of the things that he thinks is sort of a lot of the rules of this world are kind of bullshit and it's kind of a, a facade and we sort of learn that through the character ruben yeah. and the character ray and so we get a good trans like contrast of like all right this is what it's like when you're 13 now look at the kids who are like seniors in high school what's their attitude towards life and how it like how is stevie going to be looking like that and he clearly he just wants all of that he just wants to dive head in and I think he's he's great. He's just kind of a good like fly on the wall to sort of observe these amazing, colorful conversations that we have, with, like the "don't get offended" conversation or the the whole like moment with Dell, which is like my favorite scene in the movie, where you just get to have this guy sort of give a little mini philosophy. See, um, that all, scene all that stood word. out to me because I I didn't quite know. I wasn't sure what to make of the Dell scene. Like like initially, I was like, okay, like is this just a cameo? Uh, mm-hmm. Because it it didn't feel like to me it was really helping i don't know underline the themes necessarily or uh, maybe 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 it was maybe i just didn't get it out of it uh i don't know i think i just appreciated that was just another person to help nudge ray in the right direction and yeah. I just, i'm a sucker for yeah. the casting as well um i think that's just why i dug it um but as far as stevie is concerned yeah he's just kind of like a blank slate sucks at skateboarding i sucked at skateboarding so it's like when he's happy over his very small like ollie victory i'm just like oh, yeah like I'm, I'm with you dude. i'm with you dude i remember <laughs> i had this friend chris and i had like a shitty skateboard from target uh chris actually had like a good skateboard but he was like over at my place and he's out in the street with my skateboard trying trying to land a kickflip i never landed an ollie i never landed a kickflip i was the mm-hmm. kid with the bike that had pegs on the back and like i would just like yeah. other skaters would jump on the back of my bike and I would like be taxing. Dude, I wanted out. pegs so badly. <laughs> uh, I wanted pegs on my bike so fucking badly as a kid. Never got them. But, so it, shout. but yeah, I remember Chris <laughs> landing his first kickflip on my skateboard and like he was so, so happy just like running up and down the fucking driveway. That's um, amazing. Yeah. That's the, the skateboarding stuff. Like, yeah, I feel like we were in that like sphere a little bit. Jonah Hill, uh, he's born in like 83. He's like six yeah, years older than older. me. Well, yeah. So I feel like, all right, we're a little younger. Sorry. We're yeah, a little so, older. Yeah. so yeah, I feel like he's little, definitely has more authenticity when it comes to growing up in that era. But like, uh-huh. I feel like a lot of the, these themes are somewhat universal about just like, yeah, the whole, like wanting to be into skateboarding, but just not being able to have like yeah. that, that physical edge to, to make stuff happen. And I feel like, because for for us it was like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out and that yeah. caused like a new like boom surge of enthusiasm for skateboarding. Definitely, yeah. Uh, like it was already there, but it was just like I feel like I, skate skate parks were like popping up all over this the place. Like there was this sort of like transformation. Um, yeah. Tony also, Hawk is a, a huge thing, a huge huge piece of that. As well. yeah. yeah. If this would have been late '90s, Stevie would have been playing Pokemon and like yeah. <laughs> he would have been taking it taking it a little easier. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, definitely. What do you make of... Uh... So, so, there are a couple scenes in this movie where he self-harms. So there's a there's a yeah. moment where he's, like, stealing cash from his mom, and he, like, pulls his pants down, grabs uh, a brush, and vigorously rubs his thigh uh, as a form of, like, self-harm. And initially I thought, like, oh, is this, like, a penance thing? Like, he, is he, like, punishing himself for his misdeed Hmm. but then later on we get this scene where he's like kind of arguing with his brother and he like comes home drunk his brother's like what the hell are you doing um he's like like, you're fucking up stevie yeah and stevie tells him like you know you're a loser you have no friends and all this stuff and which causes this emotional breakdown from his brother uh, which I, which makes me want to know more about the brother because yeah, it's like, what yeah. is going on with this guy? Um, but then, yeah, Stevie runs into his room. He grabs a Super Nintendo controller and he wraps the cable around his neck and he, like, strangles himself with it. And it's like, it feels like a lot of this behavior... Like, obviously, there's, I, I think, you know, this intrigue uh when he sees the skaters and he sees these boys and he thinks they're funny and he thinks they're cool and he wants to be part of that but i feel like a lot of his you know sort of descent is this an act of self-destruction and is this yeah 
self-harm part of that self-destruction and what is okay. motivating that self-destruction because like is yeah like wh why is it because his brother beats up on him so he has this damaged yeah. sort of home life that is uh, yeah like what is motivating that i guess uh, yeah <laughs> maybe just it might just be as simple as the brother just beating his ass all the time because yeah. that's how the characters are introduced that's how one yeah that fucking the, first shot yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just so like we're, we're throwing at it um yeah i would love more uh there yeah there's one moment when they're on the couch and then he's basically saying like he's like fuck your ghetto ass friend like after the moment where oh, uh yeah. fuck shit Which punks really him funny. out <laughs> yeah fuck shit completely punks him out and then he's had this moment he's like yeah you're fucking ghetto ass friends they're not cool and then they sort of going further into the conversation and he mentions like like when i was your age mom was very different and now yeah. mom is trying to sort of rein things together mm -hmm. and i would yeah i'm totally with you i would like more of that i'm more curious about uh what the actor's name is lucas character's name is ian i want to know more about ian yeah he's turning 18 like he's become he's turning and becoming an adult going into adulthood in the same way that um ray and fuck shit are but yeah. it's like we don't really get much more from his character besides that he's obsessed with big l he loves wu-tang and he loves mob deep he loves hip-hop that's basically it um yeah I, that's what i'm saying like all of this aesthetically is great but like maybe i want someone more capable of writing sort of dig into this mantle because there is really cool stuff here going with class like the scene where he is I think when he steals the money or it's like a scene after you see Stevie doesn't have a belt he has a fucking shoestring and I'm just like mm. yeah like like they're like broke like they're like yeah. they're really broke and class is a big thing race is a big thing mm -hmm. and I, I want more I want more of all of that and I feel like yeah we just sort of get a, a good surface layer of it but yeah I'm, I, I walked away wanting a little more yeah um let me see what do you think about uh ray and fuck shit ray and fuck shit uh <laughs> i like fuck shit <laughs> uh, uh yeah I, I like i so uh is it nikel smith uh yeah. ray um i think he's probably like gives one of the better performances in this movie uh amongst like our four main boys uh, although i don't know man stevie's stevie's fantastic <laughs> like as a yeah, yeah. as a performance like stevie's great i have a feeling fuck shit is just kind of playing themselves um yes. <laughs> my dream role in the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but like we do get like with ray we do get a more uh you know vulnerable moment of him enlightening stevie to like the struggles of everyone else in the group and he sort of he he kind of wavers between you know he's one of the boys and they're all having a good time but he's also like the older brother he seems to be like the more responsible one uh yeah. and the one who tries to keep them in check but he knows he really can't um yeah and so yeah i really like i really like ray uh fuck shit it's like the so i i'm not yeah i'm not into the ending of this movie which fuck shit plays a large part in yes um <laughs> because i wish it was just more telegraphed i wish like so spoiler alert <laughs> um the you know, fuck shit gets kind of out of control he's partying a little too hard um he wants to drive everyone to the next party like they're begging him yeah, not they to <laughs> don't want to very obviously but they kind of give in uh and they get in the car and he's basically he's practically falling asleep at the wheel he's completely fucking loaded um and of course they get in a car accident um i kind of wish like maybe we had earlier in the movie a couple other sequences or at least even one other sequence of like drunk driving <laughs> uh, <laughs> where like everything ends up okay and gotcha okay. so you're kind of like okay like is it gonna happen this time like is are things gonna you just like introduce the tension of like things could go wrong everything ends up being okay so that yeah. eventually no things things aren't um i think maybe yeah, that's, that, that's a really good point <laughs> i think that may, maybe would have helped a little bit more um because otherwise it kind of just feels like it's tacked on um yeah and there's, like he didn't know there's no way yeah. yeah there's no way out of this like yeah like everyone's gonna get into this car and it's just gonna flip over yeah and you know what's coming and so there's not a whole lot of I don't know. There's not a whole lot of tension, I feel like. Because you just, you're just kind of waiting for it. Uh, and it just, yeah, it feels like he didn't really know how to end the movie. So he ends with this, you know, loud moment. Yeah. 
which I do like for the character fourth grade. I do appreciate that incorporation because like I said, when they like completely shit on his dream to be a filmmaker and then he and does he the movie turn well. around to like to make it, I, I do that worked for me really well. But then um, it's like, I don't know. Like we, we, do we feel that these boys are changed because of this experience? Or uh, probably not. Like then they <laughs> yeah. just like watch a movie and they're like, "Oh, much, look how much fun we have!" And like everything seems yeah. fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. sure. Yeah, but that's why I'm, I dig Ray because at least with his scenes. So early on, sort of rewinding, as Stevie is introduced to this world, the first person he latches onto isn't Ray or Fuchsit or fourth Ray is Ruben. Yeah, and Ruben is sort of giving him a lot of bad advice and uh-huh. sort of just Ruben is clearly like the proto Stevie in the situation where he was younger and sort of came in, yeah. but he's a part of that world. He's already fixated in it. And so he's not really asking questions in the same way that Stevie is. He's not really challenging the status quo or anything. It's just listening to whatever is going on. And I, I do like that Ray is sort of like this guru kind of character that just completely erases and undoes a lot of the, like, sort of helps Stevie unlearn a lot of that toxicity that was just previously installed yeah. in him. That also makes me wish we kind of got a little bit more of Ruben, because I kind of sympathize with Ruben. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like... Very tragic character. Yeah, I feel like his issue was that, like... Yeah, at one point he was the youngest, and so he wanted the respect uh and to be included with these older boys and so he's got this new younger guy coming in he gets to be the big brother a little bit and he's just like posturing and overcompensating and then uh and then he feels the desperation of like losing the the relationship that he had and so i feel like i don't know show us a little bit of his home life show us you know the absence of a father maybe or just a shitty father and that's why he has he needs this relationship with these older male figures yeah um yeah. i don't know but yeah i, I really like... I, I do like that character and i like the trajectory yeah. of it yeah i love their sort of relationship and then how it sort of uh bubbles it boils up to this point where they're all on top of the roof at the, uh, uh, the school doing like this gap yeah and it's it's fuck it's, it's this really great moment where it's like all right yeah ray can do it he's the fucking he's the closest to being a pro skateboarder yeah. out of all of these dudes so he obviously he, he's got it on lock fuck shit he's also a very competent skater he just doesn't care but he can still do the gap <laughs> and ruben goes punks out and they're like <laughs> steve's like oh it's all right man you'll get it next time he's like fuck you dude it's like like, so I don't need a fucking friend right now. And then Stevie goes and slams and completely falls, and we sort of get to know that that's another trait of his is that he can just take hits really well. When I was a kid, uh, we used to go to the elementary school near our neighborhood, and we used to skateboard there all the time. We weren't supposed to be there. Um, and I remember there was this kid, Austin, on my street who uh, he said he was going to jump off the roof of the multi purpose building. Uh, with his skateboard (laughs) and uh, we were like what the fuck are you talking about like that is fucking stupid and he was like i think i feel i was like would you would you even do that without the skateboard and he's like i think i feel safer with my skateboard yeah i don't know what you're talking about Um, it's logic yeah yeah just go for it man yeah so yeah i totally relate to running around with a group of boys just getting into trouble like I remember one of my proudest <laughs> memories of when I was a kid, like we were one of my proudest memories, a memory that I'm <laughs> proud of <laughs> when I was a kid, we were at that same elementary school. Kids are skateboarding. I'm not because I have my bike <laughs> once again. <laughs> and uh, the cops come, they pull up. So there, there's a scene in this movie where they have like a uh, altercation with some sort of officer. I yeah, Gerard Carmichael. A rent-a-cop, yeah. Yeah, he's um, great cameo, great scene. Yeah, great scene. Uh and but yeah i remember being at the elementary school cop car pulls up all my friends they get their skateboards they throw them over like this wall (laughs) and like they're all climbing this wall to like escape the school i'm with my bike i'm like how the hell am i gonna get over (laughs) that so like i'm like scanning around and i see uh i'm we're like in the sort of like um the younger kids area like the sort of like where the kindergarten classrooms are or whatever and so they have these little um sort of like park benches uh, these little tables for the kids and like my eyes lock on those and I'm like hell yeah and so like, I go run over I grab it and I drag it over to the wall gotcha, and I gotcha. climb up on the table with my bike throw my bike over the wall and then jump over amazing uh, yeah this great <laughs> escape yeah it felt so proud. beautiful yeah. yeah I mean there's 
there's nothing quite like hopping a fence. Yeah. There's, <laughs> it instills something in you. <laughs> I remember my dad trying to scare me about hopping up over fences where he like told me this story about when he was a kid, uh, his friend went to go hop a fence, like a chain link fence. And like, he went to jump over, but his finger got caught on the top. Oh, and no. ripped his finger off. <laughs> oh, I no. like, I don't like, I, I, I've always, I always worried about that after he told yeah. me, but I was like, I don't think that's true. I think he's going to shit <laughs> Want you hopping over chain links? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I always knew I was not built for that life. Every time it just got to that point of like, I remember I was, uh, this was like freshman year of college, so this is already like okay, like I'm on a life path now. I'm trying to figure some, be a filmmaker, figure some shit out. And I was with my homie, one of the dudes, and he was like, uh, the Stonestown Galleria near SF State, and he's like, yeah, man, you want to skate through the, the mall? And I was like, like the no. <laughs> It's like you're talking to Thomas Churchill here. Yeah. Like I am, I am not that kind of uh, adventurous person. I don't do shit like that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's that. Uh, I think it goes into how in, infectious and how just like, I'm like it's just so cool. Like all of that skate shit and that hip hop stuff is just so fucking cool and just it's very it has a huge gravitational pull. And so I think a movie like this is great to have like a very hangout kind of vibe. And I think at the end of this movie where it, yeah, it doesn't quite wrap up. Well, um, it doesn't really stain the rest of the movie necessarily for me. I think what brings the movie down for me is kind of just the lack of just diving into the characters. Like the ending is a little annoying, but it doesn't bother me as much. It's just like, I want more of Ray. I want more of fuck shit. Well, more of Ruben. I just want to know more about them besides the fact that they're, they like Wu-Tang and they, you know, they hop fences and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's an hour 25. Very brief movie. Um, any other thoughts on mid-90s before we wrap? Um, yeah, let me scan this real quick. Um, I do like... Um, the sort of candid rawness of the conversation of uh like just the don't get offended conversation that they have mm -hmm. um and yeah i i do like how it has like kind of like a sweetness to it where they're sort of like we're gonna rag on you a little bit but you're okay it's this is like a, this is like the closest you get in this movie to like a safe space for these characters to kind of like ask questions and there's a, a very weird moment where they're like talking about being black and he's like and, and fourth grade is like is being black cool and then ray sort of gives his reply and then they sort of put the microphone to stevie and he's just like what's a black person and he's like <laughs> yeah. and it like it's insane it's just like such a crazy line because i'm just like first i'm like you're 13 i feel like you probably would know at that point yeah, i think he just blurted something out like... yeah yeah just, it's just a tricky it is scene. an insane thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just, I love the audacity of some of the moments like that. Um, that is one that sort of sticks out. Um, I love the small little moment between Ian and Stevie when they're when they're like preparing to steal the money from the mom, and he's like, "You came to me for a request, and like, yeah. you, like you came to me to like to get something, and this is how you achieve it." And I just love like it feels kind of like this fake kind of gangster vibe that huh. I feel like does tie into uh, Ian's sort of values because he's got the pre like the des dead president's um, Bill Clinton mask, and they're watching like Goodfellas, and so I feel like the more I, I think about his character, he like is into that gangster ideal but he's not gonna like fully step into it because he's probably just like too afraid because like when fuck shit comes up to him and presses him he just totally backs down and just doesn't say anything yeah because it, it is clear he doesn't I mean, really have fuck shit is he with is a loner. his crew though so exactly like, yeah, he is outnumbered yeah and so i just i find some of those details and interactions uh kind of interesting uh I think I do, there's a so yeah you mentioning like all the hip-hop and like a good fellas and dead presidents and stuff it um sometimes I'll see these images because like I follow like old school games and like nostalgic Instagram accounts and stuff I'll see these like images of like um it's a drawing or a rendering of a bedroom and it's all neon yes. and there's like a CR, a bright glowing CRT yes, TV yes, and posters yeah. all over the walls. And it's like, yeah. no one had rooms like this. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. Is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's so over the top. It's so hyper nostalgic. Yeah. It's like, 
You gotta, you gotta include some of the lame shit from the nineties to exactly. like really grind. Yeah, so he's in bed reading Big Brother. I'm like, you'd probably you know, like give him like a People magazine, like make him like, make him, like a little lamer. Yeah. Um, and and that also ties into the last thing I want to mention when Ray and Stevie sort of go off and have their uh, private night at the skate park where they sort of just skate there and sleep all night, and it's like this great little moment where clearly he's like. It's after this another beautiful scene where Ray constructs the skateboard from scratch and gives it to him. Like that's another scene I just love. That the movie sort of just shuts up for a bit and just shows the the poetry of like conduct sort of constructing a skateboard. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a a beauty in that that is like very much like with the the, the backlight is 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 it's working yeah. for me. I love it. But then the scene ends at the park and they wake up and you have this needle drop with the fucking Jizza song. And it's like, that was the night that everything changed. It's just like, yeah, like we are aware. <laughs> like we we are watching this movie. We are aware that this is the night that is changing. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm just like, I, I get it, Jonah Hill. You fuck with the 90s, but you're like, you're pushing it just too far in some cases. Yeah. I was just thinking, I was thinking like, what are some, yeah, lame 90s shit that they could have included? We needed some like touchstone pictures, like VHS tapes, like yeah. like my boyfriend's back, which is like a movie that like no one no one really <laughs> saw. Uh, but, yeah, like a trapper keeper or something. When did, <laughs> when did Powder come out? Ninety five. They could have thrown Powder in there. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah plenty of not cool things to be included, but I think yeah, that's the assignment was clearly to pack the pack yeah. as much cool stuff into the margins yeah. as you could. Like he's wearing like Street Fighter shirts and stuff like that. And I was trying to think like what t-shirts did I have when I was a kid? I don't know if I was really a t-shirt kid. Maybe just Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, probably. Yeah, like I'm thinking back, it might have been just like weird like stuff Target or stuff like like you know didn't really quite have like an inherent like dopeness to it. Like I didn't. I mean, like I grew up. I was born in 1990, so by the time I'm in like junior high or whatever. I didn't know, no one's wearing like Wu-Tang stuff, but also I went to a, a private school up mm, until yeah. like 2001. So dress codes and all of that stuff was a big part of the the, the whole thing, the whole thing there. Um, yeah, not sure. I would be, I would love to see this movie from like Tyler, the creator or like hmm. Gerard Carmichael or even us. I feel like we had <laughs> give us what like, like a two, three, two, three, two three million dollars and have us sort of do this sort of thing but just not have it be as on the nose i saw i saw guardians 3 thinking out loud yes um, I, I kind of loved it. Good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Still yeah, good. It's a good time. Uh, good yeah. time. I, I, I loved it the first time I saw it. It's not a good time. Um, I was just watching Guardians 1. I was working out a few hours ago. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, this was so, a lot of fun. I don't know. want to go next. Yeah, great time. I think these two, like Guardians 1 and Guardians 3, are probably the two best Marvel movies. I'm not sure. Oh, gosh. Well, it's two weeks. But, uh,. Yeah, it's, it's so like crazy. totally kind of all over the place. Like it has its problems, um, but uh, like there's too many needle drops. Like, do you, do you realize <laughs> plays in this movie and it's completely wasted? It's not like underlining any sort of emotion. It just kind of happens that like do, do you realize plays? Um, there's the the stakes of the movie are that um, Rocket is dying. Like very early on in the movie, there's an accident. Rocket, not an accident, an attack. Rocket yeah. is dying. They need to go to, they need to figure out where Rocket came from. Go to the source, basically, to uh, find a way to, you know, repair him, fix him, save their friend. So the stakes emotionally very high. Their their friend is dying, and then yeah. so they're like, okay, we gotta like set out. You know, we're gonna save our friend, and then it just starts playing like fucking upbeat rock music, and it's like, <laughs> no, it sucks. Like this whole situation sucks. Um, yeah, I feel that. So yeah, kind of totally weird. I remember before I even saw the movie, like reading on Twitter, that um, it starts with uh, an acoustic version of Creep by Radiohead, and Rocket the Raccoon is singing it. And I was like, that sounds fucking stupid. <laughs> like, that sounds really <laughs> yeah. fucking dumb. And then, uh, so I sit down and watch the movie, and it happens. Like, we get this opening of, uh, you know, Baby Rocket, a bunch of... Uh, young raccoons and this monstrous gigantic hand reaching into reaching in from the shadows into this cave <laughs> yeah. and it's wonderful like it looks fantastic 
Um, and then we get the shot of Rocket looking up at this hand, and then it crossfades into Rocket as he's older as the song begins to play. And I was like, fucking, he nailed it. <laughs> James Gunn, yeah, James yeah. Gunn fucking nailed it. <laughs> like, I thought this was going to be fucking dumb, but it's like, no, he got me. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, that long tracking shot, yeah. Yeah, just very fucking well done. And, yeah, yeah so I dug very, it. Great song, yeah. Um, um, thinking about Guardians 3, I'm looking at the soundtrack right now. Um, it's got yeah, we hear think, a lot from Faith No More at some point. But yeah, yeah the No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, I wish I would have saw it like on like the opening weekend. So I saw it on like the, the first screening on a Tuesday. So it was like 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. It was like me and like five elderly people in there. Um, so they weren't super pumped on the Beastie Boys thing. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like in my seat. Just, oh fuck! I wish this was like a Friday night because I know people would have been screaming over this because it's a really, really good sequence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, multiple times throughout the movie, I just kept thinking like, good for James Gunn good for james ken like this is how he's going out um hell yeah yeah great villain uh the high evolutionary uh real piece of shit uh i remember i think i said on this show that like i want a villain that's just a piece of shit (laughs) like that has like no humanity that like i want a scene uh like the sort of the sort of villain where you know you get the scene where like the hero is refusing to you know stay down like the vil- the villain beats him up and the hero gets back up and then uh and then the villain has to like look inward and like realize what am i doing to this person no i want the villain to just yeah, shoot yeah. that guy and then walk away because it doesn't yeah, fucking exactly. matter um and this this villain the high evolutionary mocking the screams of rocket like that was such a great yeah. like this man's fucking terrible moment um because it was like yeah good he should be doing that i hate his guts <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, this actor uh, is from Peacemaker show, uh, Chukwudi Iwuji, uh, as the high evolutionary. Yeah, a, a fucking amazing performance. And uh, one of the best villain lines at the end, right? it's like, there is no God, that's why I stepped up. Yeah. It's like, damn, dude. Good for James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking badass. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time. I'm really curious think... to know what he's going to do. He's writing a Superman movie. Yeah. And so it's like... We know, like he kind of he kind of tugs on the heartstrings in a way that could be a little uh, too much for some people. Like I've seen people say this movie's manipulative because it is very easy to put <laughs> cute animals in a predicament and then you feel bad for them. Um, yes, but, he doesn't, the, uh... but it's like it's not like like we knew that Rock, Rocket was a raccoon. <laughs> like this yeah. is like the character he's had to work with. Yeah, um, his whole yeah his whole complex is based on yeah being treated inferior being referred to as a roman uh, uh sorry right. a rodent as a vermin as just you know a pest essentially and so yeah i think it's it's very beautifully done yeah. i i was you know i, I think a little, a little manipulation is okay <laughs> small doses like especially with needle drops with needle drops is it can be almost too easy yeah um it's like at the end of this when they're playing dog days are over i'm just like fuck you like that's like it's such a good it's like it's such a good choice like such an uplifting it is like, hilarious like, that this end yeah. of the dance party <laughs> yeah i'm just like yeah it, it is a good it's a fucking home run it's it's a very satisfying and i enjoyed it and i don't know you just get the feeling that like james gunn loves the characters he's worked with he loves the actors and the cast and the crew yeah. he's worked with and so it's just yeah he's putting them through the ringer and celebrating them and yeah. it's great <laughs> yeah loved it yeah and when the trailers were dropping it was heavily implied through the editing that spoilers if you haven't seen it spoilers 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of spoilers oh uh, yeah yeah it's very heavily implied that both either Rocket is going to die or Drax might be dying mm-hmm. or someone big might be dying. Yeah. And the fact that they don't no do that dies. is <laughs> very, a very courageous choice that I applaud. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of people were like, I want someone to die. I want there to feel like, you know, there's stakes. But it's like, no, they give everyone kind of a happy ending. Everyone goes their separate yeah. ways. Um, you get this nice moment at the end with, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting her name. Uh one of our main uh, nebula. nebula no 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 not nebula uh, gamora, gamora yeah <laughs> um with like the the new gamora like it's not the yeah. old gamora and like she's going to she's like part of a new family like with the ravagers mm-hmm. and like i don't know it it was kind of nice to highlight that that like 
No, this is where she belongs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, yeah, he gave them, I think I wrote this somewhere, that, like, he gave them a gift because it's, like, the movie ends with, we still have, so who's left? Is it, like, uh, Rocket? Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. Um, one of, Is one Groot of the, still there? Um, yeah, yeah, Groot's yeah, still Groot's there. still there. Um, Michael Rooker's second-in-command whistle uh, guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Sean Gunn, James <laughs> yeah. Gunn's brother. Craglin. Craglin. Yeah. yeah, Craglin. And then uh we got this like new girl character, a little girl. Um and then a Cosmo. <laughs> the yeah. dog. And so it's yeah. like he's like introduced these great characters. Uh I think it's I think Craglin is kinda weird, the Sean Gunn. <laughs> um but it's just funny that he like wrote his brother into the movie. And I think they're like adding him to the comics and shit too. Um yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, like, set up these nice characters. He, like, left room for development with, like, we, we don't really know who this girl is. So it's, like, they can kind of take that baton and run with it. Um, but, like, everyone else is, like, fairly well-defined. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it works. It's great passing of the torch. And, yeah, yeah I think yeah, wording it as a gift is is very apt. I wonder who who's going to do the next, like, Guardian stuff, like, with this new team not sure yeah it definitely feels like this is a good book end for yeah not only james gunn's connection to the mcu but also just that lineup of yeah chris pat zoe zaldana dave bautista just like yeah. they're clearly might be wanting to move on to something yeah. else well, so, yeah, apparently like, give, a, give a younger filmmaker something apparently it ends with the tag uh what is it? star lord will return yes yeah. like i'm pretty sure he's been quoted as saying like i don't want to do these anymore if it's not with james gunn um yeah. So I don't know what capacity is going to be returning. Maybe they were just like, you know, drove up a bunch of trucks full of money and <laughs> say, like, like the the truck there's add some tons to it and yeah. yeah, throw some country CDs in there, get Chris Pat back on board. Um, yeah, otherwise I don't think I really watch much. I'm caught up on Barry, which is sweet, yeah. very good. Um, spoiler alert: there is a time jump, and I'm not totally. Sh- I wasn't. And that's really sure of how to feel about the time jump because it feels like kind of rushing things. I was I was very involved with what was happening prior to that time jump. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, I feel like with a time jump, they kind of have to win you back. Um, and the mo- and yeah. the show has won me back. <laughs> um, but I think we only have like one more episode, right? Yeah, this most recent one sort of won me back. But I was talking to my buddy, Adam, friend of the show. Um, my buddy RC and I was like, I have not been enjoying the show since like the middle of season three. Really? I think the the directing, I think the directing is amazing. Mm-hmm. Bill Hader is fucking one of the best people behind a camera right now. I just think the writing gets kind of weak, and I just the balance of comedy and drama and darkness just weird. started. It got just way too lopsided, and I feel like they sort of ran out of stuff to do with Sally. And I'm, it's like it the, the time jump was a little jarring. But then I was just like, this just feels like just too thoroughly miserable. Like when they give the kid like the pot pie and the pot pie is like frozen. I was like, I was like, I'm struggling to buy that the fact that they can't cook a pot pie for their son. Yeah. I was just like, at one point I was like, are we going to just like let these characters, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with it. I, I really enjoyed this last episode, but overall I feel like just the writing sort of just got all over the place. It's funny that you mentioned them like running out of stuff with sally because like when did you start to feel that it felt like i do appreciate her performance through the like her breakdown as like her show is sort of Mm -hmm. being taken away from her um i think this stuff is great but at some point i feel like the only gear she's allowed to be on is miserable and i think that's what Hmm, that's what bothers me with tv shows where like I cite and mention stuff like Ted Lasso because it's like o- overtly positive. It kind of has that problem too, where sometimes it's just stuck on the positive gear and that's all that it is. And that's can be sort of a problem as well. And she's great at being like, you know, in those positions where like the entire world and her entire career is just like crumbling on top of her. And she's just trying to stay strong and mentally get through it. But then at the end of the day, I feel like she just, does she gets through all of that pain just to latch on to Barry and just be like, well, let's just do whatever Barry's into. And yeah, I don't know. I just, 
I'm just not interested. I feel like visually it's great. And there's just so much good stuff in there. I love Steven Root. The dude who plays Noho Hank mm-hmm. is amazing. I feel like we like give him a spin-off. Like he is great. Like I really love all of that, but I don't know. It just the maybe it's just this this time length, like the 30 minute episodes just started to be like not enough. And I was hmm. just like, I need a little more. I feel like but I like I like it. Yeah, with Noho Hank, that was a character where when we were first introduced to him, I was like, this is going to get old. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to like, like this shtick for too long. And then I fucking loved him. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I feel like Sally, they kind of don't, I, I, you make a great point about like, she's always playing miserable. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, but like, one thing I find interesting is, uh, I feel like a few episodes ago, where like one of the last times we talked about Barry, we were both kind of defending Sally. Like we, we were both yeah. like, "Yeah, I like dig this part of the show," because uh, I have friends who like really hate Sally and like hate that part of the show. But now, like after this time jump, they become very invested in Sally and they really like yeah. Sally, which I find interesting. So maybe they were kind of burnt out with just like, "Yeah, we get it. She's like losing her mind, and she's like, yeah. she's like a shitty act, like a." a not a shitty actress, but like a distraught actress who's losing her mind. Um, yeah, and yeah, sort of like a very like a person you want to root for, yeah. like a, a a voice, like a, a strong female voice that wants to do her own thing. Sort of just getting lost in this vast chasm of just like when they introduce like the streaming service and like they're just like just all talking about numbers mm-hmm. and stuff, and it's just like I I absolutely love it because it one hundred percent rings true to like if you like speak to like our friends, female friends in the like entertainment business, like dealing with like, bull- like this exact bullshit, mm. like it's 100% real. And I feel like that, uh, that authenticity is great, but just as a show, it has got like to the point where uh, I feel like you could show us something different besides like Hollywood's just going to continue to shit on Sally yeah. and she's going to just, just got to just be miserable. And I just wasn't really into Yeah. It. Maybe they needed to push everyone along to, you know, kind of, yeah, reframe where these characters, how these characters operate and stuff. I feel like Gene Cousineau has had the most ups and downs and like different yeah. like ways of operating. Um, yeah. I was reading today's like Henry Winkler said he's like really thankful for the role because it like made him a better actor and stuff. And that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's all I've really been watching. Are those two? Um, yeah, I've been speeding through this poster i have one movie left wow. on there is a uh, your name hmm. um won't mention the multiple multitude of things that i have been watching on that list and other things um but yeah I talked about guardians 3 um fast x came out this week so i saw that um i won't spoil it but holy shit that's all i'm gonna say i, I <laughs> like there's just there's just <laughs> So, like Jason Momoa is fantastic okay. in it. I think Jason Momoa's performance is worth the ticket price alone. Okay. If you're fortunate enough, like me, if you have a movie theater that does a five dollar deal mm-hmm. or like a, a discount day, go go see it on a discount day. I got an MCA list, so yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for sure one of those movies where yeah, physics thrown out the window, death thrown out the window, a lot of jokes don't land. Um, but I would be lying if I say I did not enjoy that movie from beginning to end and the way that it ends is just uh, fucking audacity. The audacity of the ending is was very refreshing and I really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to the next two installments. I can't yeah. believe they stretched this out. It's, it's a, a trilogy of an ending. But huh. yeah, it's, it's a very fun movie. Um, I don't know where I would rank it, but it's, it's definitely... Uh, I heard it just ends. Say, like it doesn't yeah. do any like <laughs> attempt to like wrap things like... Yeah, it, well, it just it gets to a point where it just keeps escalating. It keep it just continues to rise where it just gets to okay. this point where like there is no way to like properly end this. Okay. We just have to just like press pause and just like yeah. pick up later. But like, but like I said, I've watched all nine of these movies in Korea. I studied. I, pr- I prepared for this, and I'm very happy that I did that because it was a great time in the theater. It's a it's a fun one. Yeah. I- saw the trailer and i was like i kind of wanted to see this i kind of want to see it with like a bunch of fucking fast and furious fans that are just like screaming lunatics yeah. <laughs> like, may yeah. i miss my chance but yeah i don't know yeah it does i feel like the buzz might be sort of simmering on it but it's, it's gotten kind of shitty reviews i think <laughs> yeah it's it's like all over the place because it's clearly it's just setting the stage for two and three and 
it's directly linked to fast five and so there's just it's just it's just table setting pieces getting moved around the board yeah. but um i was sort of okay with that because within that there's there's some dope shit in there that's just ridiculous um i wanted to mention on well, at least one movie on the poster that's sort of somewhat connected to something on netflix right now i watched Smokey and the bandit just randomly hmm. um have you ever no, seen that seen it. it's pretty fun um like like almost like a four and a half star uh, rating on letterbox uh on the wikipedia page it's listed as like the second highest grossing movie of 1977 it's off the top of your head okay you guess what the- <laughs> correct hell yeah um so i think that's fascinating that like uh, like these two like yeah these like star wars is clearly this huge cultural zeitgeist thing and then the second highest grossing movie of that year Smokey and the bandit which i feel like might have, has kind of like not sort of disappeared essentially um not like huge Smokey and the bandit yeah uh, there's no convention right now um but yeah like reading the reviews it's just like everyone's like yeah everyone here is having a good time it's campy fun the plot is bare bones simple and it's just a good solid movie and then on the wikipedia page it's listed as one of alfred hitchcock's favorite movies (laughs) which i thought was fascinating and i mentioned that because i watched rear window um this week as well and i've never seen that and i don't know i just been just I just find it interesting when you can have like a director like that who's clearly very cerebral, very do- dialed into just like the blocking and the, like his movies are like fucking chemistry equations. Like they're just, it's very particular how things are going to yeah. play out. <laughs> it's like just very much designed to make you feel a certain way at that perfect moment. Like uh, you've seen Rear Window, correct? Yeah, I have. Okay, so yeah, like that moment where the guy like locks eyes on the camera, and you have like this sort of like fourth wall break where he's like finally noticing. Yeah. It. It's like it's it's great when you're building up to that moment. Um, yeah, I find it fascinating that like a very heady director like that can sit down and be like, yeah, like I fucked with Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> it's just like a movie about two dudes getting beer across state lines and this very obsessive sheriff chasing him. The sheriff is a. Uh, played by Jackie Gleason from the Honeymooners. Okay. <laughs> a very interesting uh, assembly of a movie. Burt Reynolds, incredibly charismatic. Sally Field as his love interest slash sidekick. It's a, it's a fun time. I, I highly recommend that one if you want a, a quick and yeah. easy 90-minute movie. Smokey and the Bandit is a, a good Yeah, watch. I literally just looked at the runtime because I was like, <laughs> I'm probably, how much time am I going to dedicate to that this weekend, perhaps? <laughs> It's a Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah. Crack open a beer. Four day weekend for me. Watch, watch Burt Reynolds. It's gonna be a and, long uh, weekend in the next <laughs> yeah. couple weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's go. Um, I'm ready. Um, yeah, so that's the main thing. And then lastly, um, two nights ago was the season finale of Survivor season oh, forty four. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like my journey has kind of been completed a little bit now that you have hooked me into it. My friend Kristen sort of hooked me into it and sort of watched the Cal Wrong season. And so this was my first time watching a live season from beginning to end and absolutely loved it. The person I was favoriting originally got voted out like midway through. So then my second choice ended up winning. And I'm very happy that that person won. Um, very positive season, very uplifting. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, it was great. It was a lot of like trying to word this correctly there's some like a lot of moments that i feel like are just clearly about just like showing that these people have struggled and this like is a transformative moment mm-hmm. to like lift them all up in a really positive way and after watching like a past season and seeing like how like that wasn't the case yeah. before it's, it's interesting to see how now like the season finale like ended or whatever and they're having like their like last little conversation because of covid they can't have a huge uh studio thing with all the families mm-hmm. it's just like a little intimate thing on the island they're just like oh, cool. pouring champagne like crazy and just getting like drunk and like they start crying and stuff and i was like i love this yeah. like this is just like a, a nice intimate drunken like cathartic moment at the end of the season and it's a good time um you gotta watch pearl islands that season yeah uh yes. but also yeah i think that's the next the thing i another thing i gotta get you into amazing race um yeah that was something that emily and i 
think we like hammered like two or three seasons in like a week <laughs> like we were like pretty hooked on it uh, and i still kind of crave it sometimes because like we would like watch while we ate dinner so sometimes I'll, we'll like have like fried rice or something and i'm like man this reminds yeah. me of when we were watching amazing race i got i kind of want to watch that again hell yeah but yeah yeah it's cool i'm into that i feel like those are the shows i'll probably stick with i try to dabble in some food network mm -hmm. reality shows um so i've just been watching a shit ton of food network there's a show on there right now called chow house and chow house is set in tuscany it's all italian food themed so they just fly out like 10 chefs and it's just like they all live in this house and compete against each other as teams or whatever but the show is just a mess and it's just they're, the judges are like the rules are kind of confusing and the judges are like often very mean and nasty to each other uh sometimes the food looks pretty decent but it doesn't seem like it's like i mean it's food network like often the food on there looks fantastic yeah. so that's not really saying much um it doesn't i mean they're in tuscany so it does have that extra little bit of coolness from the location but yeah it's just like the drama i was like it just just didn't really feel like there was much there i was like i want like a actual travel show like, yeah give me like no reservations or yeah. give me amazing race or give me something more on those lines so yeah don't yeah. don't watch the travel channel then because <laughs> yeah yeah have you looked yeah, at it on on max no 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 but i know from back in the day travel channel was the original home of man versus food okay. which was this complete terrible tv like, oh, i i used to watch show. that yeah I, I loved it <laughs> yeah i mean like it's yeah it's entertaining eventually you bring yourself out like every episode is kind of the same um, yeah and also i find it fascinating that like adam richman is like a yale graduate <laughs> like, a, like a yale graduate of drama it's just like it was just like shoving two thousand calories into at a certain mouth. point he stopped doing it right was it just like yeah. highlighting other people doing it yeah, so he did four seasons, and the current host, Casey Webb, has been hosting for, like, seven or But is like he that. doing the food challenges, this host? This new person? Yeah. Yes, yes. That's ridiculous, man. They must give him, yeah. like, healthcare for life or something. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, this, this like show is, best. like, yeah. fucking ridiculous, because, like, you'll go into the place, but, yep, like, this is the super quesadilla, only, like... It's a 90% fail rate. Yeah. Like 90% of people that sit down and try to eat this fail. If you do it, your <laughs> your fucking your reward is a t-shirt. Yeah. And it's like, like, like I'm going to destroy my body. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and the odds yeah. are incredibly You can wear it me. when we bury you. <laughs> um, like, this is fucking stupid. At least on Beat Bobby Flay, you get like 5,000. No, no, you don't get money on Beat Bobby Flay. You don't get anything. On some of these shows, you get money. But I just find it funny that, yeah, you have to do all this and your reward is a shirt maybe a picture on the wall but a shirt doesn't seem worth it oh boy. so yeah i'm gonna stop watching food network uh as, as the month of june approaches so i can stop putting these television shows into my mind all right oh next week new uh coming of age movie who's it gonna be me or you mm. i sort of Championed mid '90s, so I'd be down to let you go next. I feel like mine ties pretty close to mid '90s, so maybe it makes sense. Um, okay. I'm gonna do American Graffiti, which is a different, oh, cool. awesome. different time capsule, um, yes. and I think it sort of crescendos in a very similar way to mid '90s. Cool. Um, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. um, so looking forward to that. And I was gonna ask, have you seen Boyhood? I have seen Boyhood. Yes. Okay um also very that one feels like it it might tie closer to our uh trajectory through the 90s into that 2000s um okay. i'm not sure how old that kid is supposed to be but yeah i might just watch that just because i'm really curious about it but there's yeah the more i looked up coming of age movies the more i sort of figure out there's a lot of stuff out there okay so in 2002 He's six years old. Okay, so he's younger than us. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, cool. cool. All right. American Graffiti. Yeah. Sweet. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, this has been episode 125 of Big Zone. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at VagueZonePod. VagueZonePod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or theme suggestions, let us know. And 
Once again, I'm your host, Thomas. And I'm Daniel. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Cool.